Praise God. God is good, isn't he? Yeah. You know, uh, you can open to Mark the 10th chapter. Mark the 10th chapter. Um, but while you're turning there, right before I get into my message, um, it just seems good to the Lord to point this out. It might help some folk. And I've had several people ask me about that uh, singer that died a week ago, uh, Whitney, Whitney Houston. Different ones have asked me, and, and somebody wanted to know, well, was she even a Christian? You know, she started singing for the Lord, didn't she? Didn't she? She started singing for the Lord back many, many years ago. And came out of the church. And uh, then, of course, she came onto the world stage. And I remember back in the mid-80s, I was going to college. I remember her songs, you know, on the radio and things, you know, just as you'd listen and whatnot. And she became very, very popular. And uh, But, you know, this this can help you as much as anything else. Now, whether she was saved or not, how many of you know I'm not the judge? How many is glad I'm not? How many is glad you're not? But I will say that this, that, that, you know, a lot of her actions were certainly not consistent with what a Christian would do. You need to realize that. Now, I mean, what a beautiful voice. I mean, that was a God-given gift, that voice of hers. Do you understand that? But like that one song she sang, and you know these things, I think pulpits, pastors need to point this out to folk. We're not tearing her down, but let's just point something out. How many of you know a Christian ought to live like a Christian? Amen. Be a Christian, is that right? That song she sang, I, I'm saving all my love for you. Anybody remember that? You know what that's about? That's a woman saving all of her love for a married man. How many of you know a Christian ought to be singing that? I said, how many of you know a Christian ought to be singing that? How many of you know we ought to listen to things that we're listening to and find out what's going on there? I'm saving all my love for you. That was one of the biggest hits of all time. But that, that whole song is about a woman, a single woman who's saving, a mistress who's saving all of her love for a married man. How many of you know a Christian, a real Christian, wouldn't sing that song? Amen. How many of you know that's true? You have, to, you have to deny that. You can't say, The Bodyguard. How many remembers that movie? The Bodyguard. How many of you know a crit? What? How many of you know a, a real. How many of you know a real Christian doesn't even go see that movie? Well, I, my bodyguards. Get ready now. You know, there's, there's four letter words, there's F words in that movie. How many of you know Christians don't go see that? How many of you know a real Christian doesn't accept that part in that movie because there's four-letter words in there? Huh? Now, are we Christians or not? Are we going to live by this book or not? See, real Christian, see, this will help you as much as anything. A real Christian can't accept that part because there's four-letter words in the movie. Oh, boy. Somebody bless, bless him, Lord, yeah. It's got quiet in here. Well, one pastor said it's so quiet in here you could hear a rat lick butter. That's pretty quiet. 
And, and then finally, I'm not, what a wonderful, I mean, when, when, that, when that young lady sang the Star Spangled Banner, I mean, the power of God was on that. I, I, I don't care what anybody says, the power of God was on that. And, and, and so I do know that, 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 that the alcohol and the four-letter words she used and things that are documented on television, that's not consistent with the way a Christian would live. Somebody says, well, you're picking on Whitney. Uh, well, Elvis did the same thing. I said, he, it, he didn't live a life that was consistent of a Christian. How many of you know it's not enough just to sing, Jesus loves me? That doesn't make you a Christian. How many of you know singing a gospel song, you know, how great thou art, that doesn't make you a Christian? Is that right? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll what? Keep my commandments. When Elvis died, he had a woman in the bedroom with him there that she wasn't his wife. Now, is that consistent of a Christian? So I just we need to point some of these things out. So, you know, was Whitney Houston saved? That's between her and the Lord. But I will tell you this, and, and, and I want you to listen to this, because, because you need to hear what I'm about to say right now. And I want you to, you may agree or disagree with some of the things I've said, but, but I want you to listen to this, and then we'll get into the message. That girl, Whitney Houston, would have been better off if she would have continued singing in that church in Newark, New Jersey, her whole life, and nobody ever know who she is except the people that attend that church and that community, she'd have been better off doing that than going on the world scene and ending up the way she ended up. Did you hear what I just said? Because, you know, in this time in which we live, a lot of people, they want to be the next American Idol. They want to be on the X Factor. They want to be the voice. They want to, you know, they want to have all these. This. Listen, you're better off being in the local church singing for God. Where hardly nobody even knows who you are, but just the people that attend that church in that community. How many of you know you're better off doing that, singing for God? Than making it big, 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 big and winding up dying at 48 years old. Elvis at 42 years old. That can't be the will of God, can it? See, it's not how you start the race. It's how you finish. Is that right? And so one thing I am sure about, and like I said, you may disagree with me on some of these other things that I've said. But, but one thing I'm sure about that she would have been better off singing in that church in Newark, New Jersey. Just singing for God. And nobody ever really know who she is. And living out her days. Is that right? Amen. So maybe some good came from her life. I know yesterday I watched some of the funeral service. And I know that man of God, Marvin Winans. He preached a real good message and got the gospel out. And so, well, thank God for what good can come of it. But especially you young people that want to be big stars tell you what, it could be the very thing that destroys your life. Did you hear me? How many of you know that, 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 that fame is not all it's cracked up to be? Did you hear me? Fame destroys most people. Did you, did you know that? I said it destroys most people. So let's just be uh, 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 humble servants of God. Doesn't matter if anybody knows who we are, as long as God knows who we are. Is that right? Amen. Well, Father, we commit ourselves to you today. In a fresh way. That we may be lights to this world. 
Our desire is not to be famous or to be known, but our desire is to be to be not known in this world, but lights in this world, surely, but not known in this world in a famous way. We, we're glad we're known in heaven because our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And it's a privilege and an honor. And what is success? What is success? Success is doing what God has assigned you to do faithfully to the best of your ability and that is success what is success living holy before god and being a light a true light to those around you that's what true success is what is true success it's coming to the end of your course living out your days in full and coming to the end of your course and then hearing god And the Lord Jesus and the Holy Ghost say, well done, good and faithful servant. That is success. For the success of this world and all that this world has to offer is fleeting and but for a moment and will vanish away. The success of this world will destroy most people. But but, but you see, walk with God and stay close to him. And as you are faithful, then God one day will say, well done, good and faithful servant. And Father, that's what we're looking for. That's what we're interested in. And so now we commit ourselves to you. We commit the rest of this service to you. And as we share the word of God, we trust that people will hear just what it is. The Holy Spirit wants them to hear. And that we'll leave encouraged today by by being in your presence and and being in, in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. In Mark, the 10th chapter, I just had one word on my heart for this message today. It's the word possible. Possible. Real loud, say possible. 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 You know, three times in the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, God specifically talks about the subject of possible. Now, first in... Mark, the 10th chapter. I mean, when God starts talking about possible, I want to hear what he has to say about it. So three specific times where he deals with this word possible, possibility, possible. First, in Mark 10, as it pertains to salvation, as it pertains to salvation. Now, here in Mark 10, Jesus had just called a young man. He was very, very rich, had a whole lot of money. And Jesus called this young man to sell all of his belongings, give it to the poor, and then follow follow Jesus. And in verse 22, the Bible says, but he, this, this young man, was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. I like to say it this way, the possessions had him, you see. And he walked away from Jesus. Then Jesus looked around and said to his his disciples, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. Why were they astonished? Because you see, if you stop right there, it looks like Jesus just said, well, if you have anything at all, you, you, you can't be saved. That's not what Jesus said. Let's read on here and we'll see. But Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard is it for those who what? Who... Who what? Trust in. He didn't say those who have riches. He said those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. Nothing wrong with having riches. It's wrong when riches have you and you're trusting in them. 
And then he says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle for a rich, than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now that's an awesome statement right there. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, is he talking about somebody that's just rich or somebody that's trusting in riches? Trusting in riches, see? And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Real loud, say, with God, all things are possible. Aren't you glad with God all things are possible? And what I take away from this, because this is set in the context of salvation, you see, with men it's impossible. You need to realize that with men, with men and women and with the... From the human perspective, many things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I think we need to say that again. Say, with God, all things are possible. Now remember, with men it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. In the context of salvation. You know, I think about people. How many of you have ever seen some people that are just Rough characters. You know what I mean? Rough, foul-mouthed, have no respect for the Lord, uh, mean and cruel. And uh, I know because I, I, I've seen many of them over the years. And uh, some of them, just to be totally honest with you, I would have written off that there's just no way. There's just no way that... <laughs> I mean, their heart is so hard, there's just no way that they're ever going to repent and come to the Lord and, and get saved. But you know, I've seen some of those ruffians come to the Lord and get saved. I've seen some of them. I remember one day, because I, 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 I shared Jesus with this fellow growing up and he was having nothing to do with it and so on and so forth. And the one day the phone rings. <laughs> And, I, and, and, and somebody said, it's so-and-so on the phone. And so I thought, well, what does he want? Have you ever, th- what, what, do, what do they want? So I went to the phone. I picked it up. And he said, you better sit down. And I think, oh, he's going to tell me somebody's died or something. You know, and so I, I said, what are you going to tell me? He said, you better sit down. So I sat down. And he said, I got saved. Amen. I said, amen. See, see w- there's some people... That, that we might write off and say, hey, there's just no way that they're ever going to come to the Lord. There's just no way they're ever going to change. Well, with men, it's impossible. And it, with me, I looked at, I looked at this guy, like, this is impossible. How are we ever going to get him saved? But you know what? I, all I did, I continued to love him. I continued to plant seeds, you know, of how God loved him and all of that, you know. And, and, and but, but you know what? With men, it's impossible. But with God, see, God, as only God can do, got through to this man that I'm talking about here, and he got saved. Amen. You know, how many's ever heard of the Apostle Paul? You ever hear of the Apostle Paul? God used him to write nearly two thirds of the New Testament. But you know what? He didn't start out as the Apostle Paul. He started out as Saul of Tarsus. Remember that? 
And you talk about you talk about a mean dude. I mean, very educated, but he did not like Christians. He hated Christians. Now, I know he did it ignorantly in unbelief, but still he hated Christians. He did not like Christians. He was against Christianity. And he used to go around persecuting Christians. How many of you remember that? And, and, and in fact, when, when Stephen was stoned to death, Saul was there holding the coats for the people that were stoning Stephen. And uh, so Saul of Tarsus, was a, he was a bad dude. He was a mean guy. And you wouldn't have liked him, and he wouldn't have liked you. But you know what? With God, all things are possible. Say, with God, all things are possible. And so, you know, Saul was on the road to Damascus there that one day, and he was going to put Christians in, in jail. He was going to persecute Christians. And how many of you know God intervened, and the light shone and knocked him down on the ground, and Jesus dealt with his heart? And how many of you know that, that he, went, he fell down on that ground as Saul of Tarsus, but after God got done dealing with him, he came up the Apostle Paul. Amen? Praise God. Say with God, all things... Are possible. You see, Jesus can make the prostitute pure and he can make the harlot holy. There's nobody out beyond the reach of God's goodness and God's grace. And you might look and you might say, well, that one's too far gone. That one's too bad. That one's too denigrated. But I'm here today to tell you, yeah, with man, that may be be true. But with God, all things are possible. And God can reach down from heaven and he can touch the hardest heart. He can soften the hardest heart and and he can get through where a man can't go and he can get into the hearts of these hardened people and he can soften them and they can wind up saved and he can use them for his good. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Now then the second area where we see this word possible is used is in Luke the first chapter where God deals with this. Possible. One had to do with salvation. Salvation is available to all. Amen. Now here the second thing is we see possible as it pertains to barrenness. Barrenness. You see with God, birth from barrenness is possible. Notice Luke 1 verse 35. And the angel answered and said to her, to Mary. This is speaking to Mary who would become Jesus' mother. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her what? In In her old age... And this is now the sixth month for her who was called what? Who was called barren. Wow. And then look at verse 37. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Say with God, nothing will be impossible. Now think about this just for a minute. Here we have Elizabeth. Who, who gave birth to John the Baptist. But when she was a young girl, she couldn't have children. She was barren. How many of you would agree with me, 
her having a child when she was 22 years old would have been impossible because she's barren. Is that right? But now she's not 22 anymore. She's, what did the Bible say? She's in her old age. Now she's, in, she's an old woman. I, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but she's up in years. Well, the Bible says in her old age. So not only do we have one problem, now we've got two problems. She's barren, so she can't have a child when she's in the prime of her life. You know what I mean? And now she's old. How many of you know that's no problem for God? How many of you know that's no problem for God? Not a problem for God. With men, impossible. But not with God, for with God all things are possible. Or we can say it this way, for with God nothing will be impossible. And how many of you know Elizabeth, the barren Elizabeth, in her old age became pregnant and gave birth to the greatest prophet ever born of a woman, according to Jesus' own words, John the Baptist. Is that right? Wow. Now just one of those things would be hard enough, barrenness, old age. It doesn't matter if you got one hard thing, two hard things, three, four, five. With God, not a problem, because with God, all things are possible. And you know what? Think about this. Right here in this, in, this, in this passage of Scripture, yeah, we see barrenness in Elizabeth. We see old age in Elizabeth. But there's a greater miracle than that in verse 35. And it's called the virgin birth. Think about that. Now, did, did you ever think about that? Did you? Now, that's hard there. I mean, that's a tough thing to have a woman get pregnant and there's no man involved. Is that right? Now, this is the only time it has ever happened or ever will happen, but it did happen. And without having a man involved, remember Mary said, how can these things be? Seeing that I've never had sexual relations. Is that right? And she became pregnant, didn't she? The Holy Spirit overshadowed her. She became pregnant, didn't she? Having never, having never had sexual intercourse with a man, she became pregnant. How can that be? Well, you see, with men it's impossible, but with God all things are what? Possible. How many of you are glad that we're serving a God where all things are possible? Oh, let's don't ever forget that. Let's don't ever forget that, that with God all things are possible. So birth from barrenness is possible with God. And then let's look at the third and final thing here in Mark, the ninth chapter. Turn over there, Mark 9 and 14. As God deals with this possible, this word possible or this subject of possibility, possible, And because, you see, people want to know how to do something. You know, it's not enough for me to just tell you that that something's available. You need to know how to to achieve it, how to get it. How do you you make things possible? I mean, it's good to know that with God all things are possible, but how does that apply to you? How do you get a piece of that action? How do you get in on that action? How many of you would like to get in on on the possibility of God? How many of you would like to get... How can you receive that? Well, let's look at it right here in the Bible. Mark 9, verse 14. Look at this. 
And when he came to the disciples, Jesus came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, to Jesus, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? You know, what are you discussing with my disciples? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. Now that's pretty serious, isn't it? So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast that, the, the spirit out, but they could not. But they could not. But they could not. See, with men, things are impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him, bring this young man to me. Then they brought him to Jesus, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. He fell on the ground, wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often... He has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. That's serious. But if you can do anything, Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. How do you get in on the possibility of God? You be a believer. You be a person of faith. You be somebody that hears the word of God and you believe it and act on it. And I'll tell you what, if you'll believe God... How do you get in on the possibility of God? You get in on the possibility of God by believing the word of God, by believing what God has to say. And when you believe what God has to say in your heart, then all things that God has said in his word become possible. Praise God forevermore. He said, if you can believe, I don't know about you, but I can believe. Amen. If you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. And of course, as you read on the rest of the story, this child was set free. The disciples couldn't do it, but Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, God made flesh, the virgin born son of God by the power of the Holy Ghost, as a man anointed by the power of the Holy Ghost, drove the devil out of that young man, and he was set free, and it was possible. Can you say amen? Amen. I heard this years ago, and if you're, if you're a note taker, you ought to write this down. It, it's really good. If impossible is the only obstacle, faith can get the job done. If impossible is the only obstacle, faith 
can get the job done. If you're here today and you're facing an impossible situation, I want to tell you something, that with God, all things are possible. With God, nothing is impossible. And if you'll just have faith, then that faith can tap into the power of God and that impossible situation can become possible. Praise God. Do you know what faith does? Faith removes the I am in front of impossible and faith makes it possible. Can you say amen? Glory to God. With God, all things are possible. But how do we tap into that possibility through faith or through believing God? If impossible is the only obstacle, then faith can get the job done. And you see Jesus here healing this young boy who was in an impossible situation. And again, the disciples couldn't do it. And much we could say about that. But I'm glad that when when the disciples couldn't do it, that Jesus showed up and he got the job done. And Jesus healed so many. As you study his ministry, he healed so many in impossible situations. The blind, the deaf, the crippled, the maimed. And again and again, their faith, the person needing the miracle... Their faith is mentioned as the determining factor to the impossible becoming possible. I want you to get a hold of that. I want you to listen to that. Jesus healed so many in impossible situations. The blind, the deaf, the crippled, and the maimed. And again and again, their faith is mentioned as the determining factor to the impossible becoming possible. Notice if you would Romans the fourth chapter and the 19th verse. The fourth chapter, the 19th verse. How do you tap into the possibility of God? You do it with your faith by simply believing God. It's as simple as that. Notice here in Romans, the fourth chapter and the 19th verse. Recall we said a moment ago that birth can come from barrenness because with God all things are possible. Remember Abraham and Sarah wanted to have a child and they couldn't, you know, they couldn't have children. And uh, in the process of time when Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90. Now as 100, I mean, that's pretty, that's, that's kind of old to be having a, a child as we know it. Is that right? How many of you know Sarah being 90, that's up there, isn't it? As we know it, it's up there, isn't it? Huh? And you know something else, Sarah, like Elizabeth, didn't we read a moment ago, Elizabeth was barren and she was up in years. Well, you know what? God will do it again. He's no respecter of persons. If he's done it for one, he'll do it. Amen? How many of you know God's not short on miracles? And, and, and here we have Sarah, who is 90 years old, and when she was barren too, when she was young, she couldn't have children either. But now, he's 100, she's 90, and they had Isaac. They had Isaac. Remember that? And here in Romans, so they they had an impossible situation and and it became possible because with God, all things are possible. With God, nothing's impossible. With men, things are impossible, but not with God. How did Abraham and Sarah tap into the possibleness of God? Right here it tells us, we just told you it's through faith, but look at Romans 4.19. And not being weak in what? Not being weak in what? Faith. This is talking about Abraham did not consider his own body already dead since he was about how old? 
hundred years old, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. That meant she was barren. He did not waver at the promise of God through what? Through unbelief. But he was strengthened in what? In faith, giving glory to God, being what? Fully convinced or persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Now, how did an impossible situation become possible with Abraham? He believed God. He had faith. Amen? Now, look at, what about Sarah? What did she do? Hebrews eleven eleven. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. What did she do? We know what he did. He had faith. He believed God. He didn't waver at the promise of God. He wasn't double-minded. He wasn't wishy-washy. He heard the word of God. He believed it, praise God. And the impossible became possible. What did Sarah do? Look at Hebrews 11, verse 11. By faith. Realize, say, by faith. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Well, who had promised? God. And she judged him faithful. She had faith. She believed God. The Bible said right there it was by her faith, you see. And because of her faith, she took the impossible and made it possible through the power of God. Can you say amen? And we see this again and again and again through the entirety of the Word of God. Impossible situations being turned around and becoming possible because people would dare to believe God. Look right here at verse 29, Hebrews 11 and 29. Notice this, by faith, real loud say by faith. Notice, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do were drowned. This is talking about the parting of the Red Sea. How many of you would think that that was a pretty impossible situation? You know, Moses had led the people uh, of God, the Israelites, out of Egyptian bondage, and now they're at the Red Sea. They've got the Red Sea on one side. They've got Pharaoh and his army coming on the other. How many of you know that's an impossible situation? That's being caught between a rock and a hard place. How many's ever been caught between a rock and a hard place? And it's impossible. What are we going to do? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to do what uh, Moses did. He believed God. Amen? And he had faith. Believed God, and you know what? God performed the miracle. God did the impossible. He opened up that Red Sea. He parted that Red Sea, and the Bible says it was by faith that they passed through. How did these people tap in to the, to the possibility power of God? They did it by believing God, by having faith. Real loud, say, I must have faith. Praise God forevermore. If you're between a rock and a hard place, believe God, trust God, and he can make that impossible situation possible. He can part your sea for you today. Maybe you're in the midst of a storm. How many of you know Jesus can calm the storm? How many of you know Jesus can not only part the sea, he can not only calm the storm, but we serve a God who can walk on the water and can also change the water to wine. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Look at verse 30 here. 
How do we tap into the power of God? Hebrews 11.30. How do we make the impossible possible? Look at verse 30 here. By faith. See, there that is again. By faith. The walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. How many of you would agree with me? The walls of Jericho falling down, that's an impossible situation. It was a strong city. It was a mighty city. Perhaps the mightiest city of its day. And the people of God came up upon that city of Jericho. And it was mighty. It was strong. And in the natural, there's absolutely no way that those walls are ever going to fall. In the natural, there's absolutely no way that the people of God could ever overcome that city. In the natural, those walls, those walls were mighty they could uh, i think they could run six or seven chariots side by side around on those walls at the same time they could actually have chariot races around on those walls they were mighty they were massive and in the natural no men's going to be able to bring the that those walls down but you know with men it's impossible but but not with god and god told told the people he told joshua he said what did he tell him he said you circle the city one time a day for six days and on the seventh day you go around seven times and then you blow the trumpet how many of you know that makes no sense in the natural how many of you know it makes no sense in the natural it makes how many know god doesn't always make sense to us but how many of you know we need to trust him and follow him and obey him and they trusted him and they had faith the bible says by faith how did the walls of jericho fall down by faith you see they 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 believed god and, and they did what god said do and when they blowed those horns the bible says that those walls just whoom, fell down you see and the people of god went in and had a great victory maybe you've got walls in your life maybe you're facing something today that is 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 like a stronghold it's like jericho and you're thinking oh my gosh what am i gonna do it's so impossible well i'll tell you what you do you you find out what god wants you to do and then you believe god and you do what he tells you to do and the way those walls fell in jericho those walls can fall for you can you say amen well i'm preaching myself happy glory to god Amen. Notice if you would, verse 33 says, through faith. See, how do you tap the possibility power of God? Through faith. Through faith. Through faith. Subdued kingdoms. Worked righteousness. Obtained promises. Stopped the mouths of lions. Does anybody know who he's talking about right there? Daniel in the lion's den. How many of you would have liked to win in that lion's den? Anybody? I wouldn't want to go in there. Those were fierce, mean lions. And they were hungry. You know they were. They were, they were not little pussycats. They were mean, fierce, ferocious, hungry lions. But Daniel spent the night in the lion's den and was not harmed. How is that possible? Because he believed God. And he had faith in his God. And he trusted in God. And Daniel said himself when they were astounded the next morning when he hadn't been eaten. And he said the angel of God came and shut the lion's mouth. Glory to God. Now, that's impossible. No. Yeah, it is with men, but it's not impossible with God. And so it got the king to the point where he had all the other henchmen thrown into the lion's den, those that accused Daniel. 
And the Bible says the lions ate all those people up before they even hit the floor. Don't tell me those lions weren't hungry and fierce. Maybe you're here today and there's been some people coming after you and they've been nipping at your backside and they've been coming after you and causing you problems and accusing you and falsely accusing you. I'm telling you, it looks like they got you. It looks like they got you and it looks like it's, it's an impossible situation. But I want to tell you today, be like Daniel. And just have faith in your God and believe in your God and trust in Almighty God. I'm talking, you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Jehovah. I'm talking about God the Father, God the Son, the Lord Jesus, and God the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's have faith in Him and let's trust in Him. And those people that have been coming after you and falsely accusing you, if they don't repent, they're liable to get fed to the lions. Did you hear me? While you go off safely and unharmed. Amen. Glory to God. Then in verse 34, quench the violence of fire. Who's he talking about there? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How many of you would like to go into a fiery furnace this afternoon? Did you know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't do anything wrong? They served God faithfully, and they wound up in the middle of a fiery furnace. And it wasn't just the plain old fiery furnace. I wouldn't want to go into the plain old fiery furnace. They went into it after it was stoked up seven times hotter than before. Now, how are you going to survive the fire of that furnace? That's impossible in the natural, isn't it? How are you going to, how are you going to, how are you going to go in there and survive that? Well, you're not without God. But aren't you glad we're not without God? Aren't you glad we got God? Amen. How many of you want to be fireproof today? Does anybody want to be fireproof? You know how you can be fireproof to the devil's attack? I'll tell you how come these guys didn't get burned up. They didn't get burned up because they said, look, we know our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't deliver us, we're going to serve him anyway. There's a lot of Christians I've met over the years. They say, well, I'll serve God. And just as long as he does everything the way I think he should, then I'll serve him. But if he doesn't do everything the way I think he should, then I'm not going to serve him. Well, you're going to get burned up. But I tell you what, if we'll be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and have this attitude that we're going to serve God and, 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 and we know he'll deliver us, but even if he doesn't deliver us, we're going to serve him anyway. Be like Job who said, even though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Amen? Glory to God. And so they went into the fiery furnace, believe in God, faith in God, trust in God. That's all they had. Tell you what, if you're here today and all you have is faith in God, that's all you need. Amen. Did you hear what I just said? That's all you need is faith in God. That's all I got, Pastor. I'm at the end of my rope. Well, tie a knot on that blasted rope and hang on with faith in God and He'll come and see you through. Amen? And they went in the fiery furnace and you know the story, but I like telling it. Nebuchadnezzar came down and he wanted to see the remains of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember, he looked in and he saw, he was supposed to see how many, I'll help you. And he didn't see three, I'll help you. How many did he see? Four. Does anybody know who that fourth man was in the fiery furnace? That was Jesus, wasn't it? Just want to let you know I can preach, you know. The fiery furnace. Amen. Glory to God. I said that fiery furnace. 
They didn't get burned up. Why didn't they get burned up? Because, 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 because. Why? Jesus showed up. Why did Jesus show up? Because they had faith in God. How do you know it? Because the Bible tells me right there in the book of Hebrews. Amen? They quenched the violence of fire. Praise God. They, they came out of that fire. They didn't even smell a smoke. Glory to God. Escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness. Were made strong. I'm weak today, Pastor. What am I going to do? You're going to believe God. I'll tell you what you're going to do. And I'm going to believe God with you. And, 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 and through that weakness, we'll have faith in God. And the possibility, power of God will kick in. And we'll be strong. Amen? Glory to God. Became valiant in battle. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. I remember when Elisha was surrounded by the Syrian army. Remember that? And the young servant said, Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Has anybody ever been there besides me? What are we going to do? And remember, Elisha prayed and said, Oh God, open his eyes that he might see that those that be with us are more than those that be with the enemy. How many remembers that? And so he opened his eyes and God opened his eyes and he looked and around on the hillsides. There were chariots of fire, flaming chariots of God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The Bible says that the army of the enemy, that Syrian army was struck with blindness. How many of you know that God can strike the enemy, that which is coming against you? He can strike them and cause them to be defeated while you pass over safely. Praise God forevermore. Now, he wants them to repent, and he wants to be good to them. But if they won't repent, and they're going to just try to keep harassing you and bothering you, you believe God, and God can come in there and do something that looks impossible to you and me, but it's possible to God, and you can come out victorious. Amen. Glory to God. Turn to flight the armies of the aliens. Women receive their dead Raised to life again. How many of you think that's pretty impossible when somebody has died? That's pretty impossible getting them back to life. But it's impossible with men, but with God, all things are possible. We see God raising people from the dead in the Old Testament. Is that right? And do we see Jesus raising people from the dead? He raised Lazarus after he had been dead more than three days. He raised Jairus' daughter. How many of you remember what Jesus told Jairus when the report came, your little daughter is dead, trouble the master no further? How many remembers what Jesus told? Because you see, that's an impossible situation there. The little girl is dead. How many remembers what Jesus told Jairus when the word came that his daughter was dead? He said, do not be afraid, only believe. What was he telling him to do? He was telling him to get in faith, believe God. And the possibility, power of God will be available to him. And they went over to the house, and Jesus raised that little girl from the dead. Glory to God. There was a funeral procession in Nain. How many remembers that? They were going to go bury the boy, the only son of, the, of, of this lady. And Jesus came by. How many of you know Jesus can mess up a funeral? I said he can mess up a funeral. Now, I do need to say this. I don't see where God raises people from the dead who have lived their life out. Just to be fair now. Okay? 
Jairus' daughter was only, what, 12 years old? That wasn't the will of God for her to die at 12 years old. Jesus went over and raised her up. Is that right? How many of you know that's right? Yeah, Lazarus, I, he hadn't lived out his life. He was probably in his 30s. I don't know, somewhere in there. He, he th- Dying at 30 is too young. Is that right? I don't know how old he was. He might have been 25, might have been 40. How many of you dying at 50 is too young? Is that right? But Jesus came on this funeral procession in Nain. This boy, he's dead. Jesus comes on the scene. Now, it looks impossible. When they went over to Jairus' house, there were the mourners over there. (laughs) Are you listening? Say, I'm listening. (laughs) What are we going to... You know what Jesus does to those professional... Mourners and people that are wet blankets, you know what he does? He puts them out. He put them outside. Because when all that doubt and unbelief is around, you can't tap into the possibility power of God. You've got to put that out. You know, there's some things you just got to put out. Is that right? Put it out, believe God, and let the power of God fall. Amen? And so I'm sure there were the, the mourners in Nain, and Jesus went up to the coffin, you know. And, and I believe the Bible says he just touched the coffin, and the kid sets up and starts to speak. I wonder what that kid said when he sat up and started to speak. I don't know, but I, I know his mama was glad that the possibility power of God hit him. Amen? Are you listening to me? Are you getting anything out of this? Say with God, all things are possible. Glory to God. How many of you know raising Jesus from the dead? How many of you know he was crucified on the cross, went in the tomb, but on the third day the power of the Holy Ghost came in that tomb and rose him from the dead, gave him a glorified body, never to die again. That's impossible with men, but with God all things are what? Possible. Glory to God. How many of you are hungry for this possibility power of God? I'm not talking about a weak, mamby-pamby, the power of positive thinking. I'm not talking about that. Did you hear me? I'm talking about, yeah, how many of you know that if you want to tap into this, you've got to think right? But I'm not talking about that weak doctrine to say the power of positive. I'm talking about having positive thoughts and flowing in line with the Word of God and believing God and looking death right in the eye, looking sickness right in the eye, looking disease right in the eye, looking cancer right in the eye and spitting in its eye in the name of Jesus and believing God and having that possibility, power of God, come down, glory to God, and change your situation around. There's no situation you're facing that's beyond the power of Almighty God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yeah, but pastor, I'm in this relationship. And it just looks like it's so impossible. If God can raise the physical, physically raise from somebody from the dead, do you think he can fix your marriage? Yes. But you're going to have to cooperate with him. I said you're going to have to cooperate with him. Because you see, this possibility power of God is only available to people that will cooperate with God and believe Him and flow in line with Him. We're talking about a God here 
who stopped the earth from rotating for a single day. Now, in the days of the Bible, they didn't understand the science that we understand. Thank God for good science. So they said that the, that, that the sun stopped and the moon stopped. To them, that's what... But how many of you know what really happened there? What really happened? God stopped the earth from rotating for a whole day. And sometime later on... That, now, is that a big God? You think a God that could do that could pay your electric bill? Huh? I'm telling you, he stopped the earth from rotating for a day. As I study it, the people of God were in a battle with the enemy, and they needed a little more time to finish the enemy off. And so what did God do? He came in there and he, at their faith, see, they had to have faith. They, they cried out in faith. God stopped this planet from spinning for a whole day. And then you, you're concerned about your piddly-diddly little old deal. But we serve a God. That is concerned about your piddly, little, diddly deal, old deal. And if he can stop the planet from rotating, don't you think he could solve your problem? Glory to God. And then sometime later, Hezekiah had a death sentence from God. Isaiah went over and told him, set your house in order, you're going to die. How many remembers that? And Hezekiah cried out. And he repented. How many remembers that? And because he repented, God gave him how many more years? Fifteen more years. Maybe you're here today and the doctors told you you're going to die. Well, the prophet went over and told Hezekiah he was going to die. He went over there at the direction of God and told him he was going to die. But aren't you glad for the power of repentance? Amen. And Hezekiah repented and God added, say, 15 more years. Yeah, God did that. And then Hezekiah says, well, how are we going to know? God's a good God, isn't he? He took that day out. He had to put it back somewhere. So he told Hezekiah, we're going to put the day back right in there. And so God in his mighty majesty, I don't know how he did it, but he spun the earth. And he put that day back in. Glory to God. Something that astounded me when I was studying mathematics to get my math degree. There was some problem that NASA had many years ago. And, and they couldn't figure the blasted thing out. And the long story short, somebody brought them the Word of God. Isn't it good when the Word of God... See, the Word of God will not only solve your problem, it will solve NASA's problem. And they went and say, said, figure this into your computer and into the computer that God... Did you all know, did you brilliant scientists know that God took a day out back yonder and then he put it back in sometime later? And you know what? Those scientists went and they calculated and they put that figures and those degree dials and all. They put all that figuring from the Bible into their scientific formula. And that computer and that thing that wouldn't work and they couldn't get it figured. When they put that back in, boom, everything worked just fine. Glory to God. God can stop time. He can take a day out. He can put a day in. God is God. Glory to God. I'm glad I came today. How about you? He caused manna. Food for them to eat in the wilderness. Water from a rock. He fed Elijah with the ravens. 
He increased the meal and the oil. He multiplied the oil for a widow and gave her sustenance and money to live on. He multiplied the loaves and the fish. He's a God of the... uh, 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 He can do impossible things. I can't get any more excited. I'm wound up tighter than a cheap alarm clock. Glory to God. How many of you know God knows where the fish are? Remember the disciples toiled all night? They caught nothing. They come in, they're cleaning their nets. And how many of you know he said, go out and let down the nets? How many remembers that? And then Peter said, all right, I'll let down the net. And actually it was one of his old cheap nets. It was just one. And Jesus said, nets. And Peter's going to... See, men, men, we think it's net. God's thinking nets. And he said, get the nets, go out there and cast on a certain side of the boat. He said, Jesus, we've been out there. We've been out there all night. We caught nothing. This is a professional fisherman. Jesus wasn't a fisherman. He was a carpenter. But he's also God. Oh, did I mention that? So they went out and let down the net just to humor Jesus. Huh? And how many of you know there were so many fish, Peter wished he'd have let down all the nets instead of just one because the net was getting ready to break and it was about to sink the ship. Is that right? We'd just been out there all night long. Yeah, but you see, Jesus can make the impossible possible. Glory to God. Somebody says, yeah, but pastor, oh my gosh. You know what happened? We got over in the spirit and time slipped away from me. That's all right. I looked at my watch and I was astounded. I was supposed to quit 30 minutes ago. You get over in the spirit. I said, you get over in the spirit, you lose track of time. Am I boring you? I'm not boring you, am I? I'm about ready to stop. But you might be here today and you might be saying, you know what? I've been in this impossible situation for a long time, and I just don't know how I'm going to get out of it. How many of you know there was a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years? She bled for 12 years. She heard of Jesus. She came in the press behind. She touched his garment, and she tapped into the possibility power of God, and the possibility, the power of Almighty God, the dynamite power of God, drove, it drove that, that infirmity out of her body, and she was healed of her plague. And Jesus said, Daughter, thy what? Thy what? Thy faith. Faith has made thee whole. Is that right? And the physicians, the Bible said, I'm all for good hospitals, doctors, and medicines. But the physicians couldn't help this lady. And she spent all that she had. And she was nothing better, but rather grew worse. But Jesus, but Jesus, but Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Twelve years, that's a long time to bleed. And she didn't just have a little cut. She was bleeding, menstrually bleeding. She couldn't go out in public. And actually it was against the law for her to go out in public. But I tell you what, desperate people do desperate things. If you're here today in a desperate situation, cry out to God and believe God. And that same power that hit that woman can hit you. Glory to God. Yeah, but I've been in this situation a long time. Yeah, there was a woman who was bent over for 18 years and all the priests and all the scribes couldn't help her. There was no power in the synagogue. But one day Jesus showed up and the possibility power of God showed up and he said, woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her. Glory to God. And she was made all whole. Hallelujah. And stood up straight. That power is available to you today. Yeah. 
I've been in this a long time, Pastor. I've been suffering a long time. I've been to the doctors. I've been to the... I don't know what I'm going to do. There was a man who laid at the poolside for 38 years. And tradition says, and the Bible alludes to it, that the angel would come down once a year and trouble the waters. And the first one in the water would be healed. And Jesus walks up and says to the man, do you want to be made well? And he says, I have no man to put me in the water. Well, I tell you what, you don't need a man, you don't need a woman, you don't need a boy, you don't need a girl. Because you see, with men things are impossible, but not with God. With God all things are possible. And he said, I have no man to put me in the water. And Jesus said, do you want to be made well? And he said, yes. And so he said, take up your bed and walk. And the possibility, power of God hit that crippled man. He'd been crippled 38 years. The power of God hit him. And he was whole. And he was walking around by the power of God. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Don't tell me how long you've been sick because I'm going to tell you how long God's been in the healing business. Glory to God. Amen. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the healer. I said Jesus is the healer. Is there anything too hard for God? No. Is the arm of the Lord shortened that it cannot heal? No. Is the ear of God deaf that it can't hear you? No. God is just as powerful today as he ever was. The Bible says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm here today to tell you, have faith in God, for with God all things are possible. Stand with me if you would. Praise God. I'm glad I came today. Praise God. I don't know how a preacher can talk about the power of God and not get excited. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Right after I dismiss this service, and you don't need to play the music. I don't need the altar workers up here right now. But right after we dismiss this service, the power of God to save you will be available. It's available right now, but I'm just telling you how to tap into it. There'll be men and women standing up here. There's a heaven above.